from coast to coast to coast. You're listening to Terra Miss Informa. It's the 1st of April, and that means it's our annual Terra Miss Informa episode. This year, we are not covering our usual fake news or conspiracy theories. Instead, we are deciding to use our airwaves to broadcast an old transcript tape found by our series producer and co-coordinator, Hannah Cunningham, when she was running through the woods one day. The origins of the tape and the records of who or what are recorded within remain very much a mystery to us. But the information we are about to share suggests some shocking truths about the very nature of life on planet Earth. Before we start our episode, we would like to acknowledge that we are situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. We are broadcasting from Papa's Chase territory and Indigenous peoples that were displaced from their traditional territories through efforts like script and targeted campaigns by the colonial governments of Edmonton and Canada. Even though this is more of a fun episode, we always invite you to think about the traditional landowners of wherever you are listening from and the continued role of Indigenous groups to protect land and water in so-called Canada. Without further ado, ladies and gentle people, I present the Terra Misinforma 2021. Is this recording? Um, I don't know. I can't tell. There's a red light. What does that mean? Red light should mean it's recording. Okay, good. I mean, you can edit this all out, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. For sure. No one is going to hear this part. Alrighty. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is the eighth meeting of the Evolutionary Design Advisory Council. Our agenda for today is to develop and implement the designs for new flora and fauna that will occupy planet Earth. These organisms will then be sent to the Natural Selection Department for testing and then off to our adaptation specialist for final tweaking. And then we'll see those designs roaming the planet in the next one to seven billion years. Can I get a motion to approve the agenda? I mean, really anyone can do this. Come on, people. Um, I'll motion. Thank you. Just, um, I want to remind everyone that this is a safe place to pitch ideas for flora and fauna on planet Earth. I know there was an incident last meeting where Larry pitched the platypus and we bullied him relentlessly, including myself, which I'm not proud of, mostly. But hey, those little duck log creatures are doing remarkably well in testing and I think they will get final approval. So don't be afraid to share your ideas even if it is still a work in progress and make sure to give constructive feedback because I don't want to schedule another HR meeting. Okay, so first on the docket is Chance from the finance department. You now have the floor. Thanks boss. Uh, it's me, Chance from upstairs. All right y'all, I'm gonna get straight to it, okay? Uh, everybody here doing great work, don't get me wrong. And I know that we all have big deadlines to fill I get it. You know, I'm up grinding every morning uh, so I can punch those numbers for quarterly reports. Okay. But y'all, the amount of spending is, is getting out of hand. Upstairs in the finance department, we've gotten some preliminary concepts in for budgeting. And I'd like to share with you some of the ideas that we have for some more 
cost savings options for organisms. Okay, number one. So we've seen a lot about these things called snakes. It's a cool concept. Don't get me wrong. I love the eat a big thing once in a blue moon feeding strategy. You know, getting food in in bulk is a great way to save costs. I am not sure who the heck thought trying to get a new skin change every month approved was going to fly. Like, come on. We, we don't approve new pens. Okay, so I'm not sure if someone was trying to play a prank or something. Uh, so a good one, I guess. But we got to change that. We can't afford a new skin every single month. So we've got some options. Number one, we're going to downsize the snake. We're going to keep it to a core body team, if you will, a small size. So they don't grow out of their skin so much. Just small, small snakes, less skin. Alternative we look to the hermit crab for some inspiration. So, you know, one snake's gonna shed its skin, needs a new outfit, looks to an older, bigger snake skin lying around that's being wasted, takes that one. Waste, not, want not. Animal number two, caterpillars and therefore butterflies. So we've seen some of these in our draft, you know, in draft stages and we love this metamorphosis concept. See, where snakes need a whole new skin every month, the caterpillar just uses what it has in its own body makeup to make a whole new thing. So that's a good use of capital. I'm challenging everyone here to think about how we could make this caterpillar even a little more cost-effective. I'm suggesting that we make them photosynthesizers. Lots of them green already. So just pop some chlorophyll in there and no more very hungry caterpillar situation gong shows going on. All right. Yeah. And you know, number three that I think is a great idea, air plants. They don't need anything. Little to no inputs needed, just water. And you know, I hear that there's going to be a lot of that uh, during this era here on earth. So that's what I've got. But yeah, I welcome any, I welcome any questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I have a question. No, I don't care, Starla. Shut up. I have a question. Uh, and it's about like the water snakes. Uh, eels. And I was just wondering, do we have the budget to get more consonants? Because I don't like the word eel. I think it really rolls off the tongue. What, what kind of consonant are you putting in there? They're worth, they're worth different values. So what are you, what are you thinking? Zs, Ks, anything real weird, shove it in there. So zeals? You're proposing zeals? Or sure. eels. Ooh, eels with a Z at the end is very cool. I like that catchy. That's what we're looking for. Okay. Just for you, I'm going to put a good word in with the CFO on this uh, because I think eels with his head on the end. I think that's a good, a good way to spend, to spend money. Okay. So if there's no more questions, thanks so much for that. Some, uh, some great ideas in there. Okay. The next on the agenda, let's toss it over to Brittany from Social Media and Outreach Department. Uh, hello, Brittany, it's your turn. Uh, I'm sorry, what? It's, uh, it, it's your turn. I, I don't know if you have an, an animal for us to uh, consider. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just tweeting. Uh, just give me one second to pull it up here. Just one second. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Okay, so we're all here. We all want to create beings that everyone just can't stop talking about. And I've got one. She's a jet setter. She's Mr. Worldwide. She's everywhere. You can't get away. 
And honestly, let's face it, things that go viral are annoying. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be likable. How many times have you heard the same five-second clip over and over and over again? We want to be memorable. We don't want to be likable. And I want to create buzz. Literally. I am proposing an animal called the mosquito. She's small. She's tiny. She's an annoying little sound that you won't be able to get out of your head. She's got six legs. She's got some wings. And she will bite you and drink your blood. How badass is that? Social media trends, they're just meant to spark a reaction. And what's more reactionary than swatting the air and slapping your arms and legs madly, trying to get a little mosquito away from you? People will be blowing up about this. They will be talking, talking, talking. There's going to be mosquito season. We are going to have our own season. (sighs) And yeah, anyway, so... Let me know what you think. I think she could really shine. And really, we just, we do want people to talk. We need to be going, going, going. We need to be coming up with the freshest and most viral ideas. And what's more viral than something that can literally carry disease? I open the floor for questions. Does uh, anyone have a question for, uh, for Brittany? Um, yeah, um, I'll just hop yeah. in here real quick. I don't have a question. I just want to say that this thing sounds like it sucks. Um, John, uh, how old are you? Age is just a number and I don't know how to count. That's what I thought. You don't have an ear to the ground on these things. You're not what I call plugged in. It will be big. Next question. Yeah. Um, hi. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Darla here from insurance and um, we've been talking with the team. We are very excited about this, uh, this proposal. There are an endless number of organisms that are proposed to have blood. So we think there will be a solid food, you know, quality. Uh, there'll be lots of food on earth for this organism to consume. So we like that, 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 that sounds good to us. That's a good strategy. What I'm curious about though, is can we maybe evolve a few different varieties of this? Uh, what did you call it? Mosquito. This mosquito. Can we have a couple different varieties of mosquito and just sort of spread the risk around? Maybe some are far more viral than others. Just, just a few different types. And we can just, we can just pull that risk in a couple, couple different places in case, I don't know, in case the, you know, one species dies, one species dies out or something. I'll consider it. Um, yeah, we'll see. I kind of like the unified name, you know, she is Mr. Worldwide. So if there was multiple species that might dilute that, but I see what you're saying. And yeah, we definitely can consider it. They could be pseudo mosquitoes, just fans. We could think of them like, like fans, like fan groups, colonies. All right. Thank you. Okay some uh some interesting ideas in that um okay on to the next uh part of the agenda all right as much as i know this will be annoying let's hear from the marine design department all right what up fam 
It's enough of this old fogies. Hi, I'm John Neptune, and I'm the creative director of the Marine Department. And everybody knows the Marine Department is the engine of innovation on the Evolutionary Design Advisory Committee. While the rest of the land-based departments are pitching boring designs like ferns or humans, our department has been pushing out revolution. We put a light on a fish, angler fish. We combined spiders and crabs to make spider crabs. Those are two of the worst animals. Jellyfish, that was a great design until I sat on it. Still pretty good. We took the squid and we made a giant, giant squid. That's what real innovation looks like. We're using revolutionary new technologies like 3D printing and AI-based development, which stands for animal intelligence. These technologies are being used to develop new uncanny monsters to populate the ocean floor. Now let's get into some of the dope designs from the Marine Department. All right, let's start with this. Darla, what's better than one heart? I mean, several? Two? Yeah. Two hearts? No, wrong. Three. Three hearts. And uh, uh, a similar note, Darla, what's better than one brain? Two. Wrong again. Nine Three. brains. Council, let me present the octopus. Eight arms, no bones, and true eldritch horror. We made a bunch of these cephalopods for different parts and depths of the ocean. We used all of our spare parts to build this bad boy. We covered the eight arms and suckers. Not suckers like Brittany, but like a section cup sucker. These suckers mean that octopus can climb walls and they can taste with their arms. And what are they tasting? Well, they're predators. So they eat worms, whelks, clams, and others. But how do they crush their prey? Beak. Boom, I stole it from the aviation department and I put it on the octopus. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. What if they get attacked? Uh-oh, what's that? It's an ink sack. With the exception of some of the deep ocean species, the octopuses have pouches full of ink that they can squirt at threats. Not only is the ink blinding, but it we made this like enzyme that irritates predators' eyes. And <laughs> you know that I put poison in these toxic boys. I put poison in everything. I poison the coffee at the meeting. Don't drink that, by the way. And uh, don't even bother, Mr. Insurance. I already got you covered. Concerned about octopus losing limbs? They can regrow them. No big deal. I designed some of them so they can just rip their arms off and toss them away to distract predators. That's metal, baby. So there was an internal debate about what color the octopus should be. It did get pretty heated. I'm not going to get into it. But we ended up thinking, let's just make it every color. We designed these things called chromatophores, special cells that can transform to be any color. Each skin cell is a sac filled with pigment, and the octopus muscle stretches the sacs to make the pigment brighter or relax to make it less visible, which means these cephalopods are masters of camouflage. I have already lost so many prototypes. One little thing, I put in a, a brain well, technically it's a cluster of neurons, but I put them into each arm because I thought that would be cool, which it is. And then on top of that, there's the actual brain in the head. But the octopus is way smarter than I thought it would be. It has been a problem. The prototypes have been escaping from the chambers, which is terrifying. They don't have any bones, so they just squeeze through whatever. They can unscrew lids. They can unplug stuff. It has been awful, but cool, but scary, but innovative. 
And they're the only invertebrates so far that are using tools. That's evolution, boys. Um, they do die pretty quickly after hatching babies, but hey, still got some, am I right? <sighs> so sure, they only live for a few years, but I always say, die young and leave a beautiful corpse. Clearly, advice that none of you have been taking. Also, I don't know why, but one of the three hearts that I shoved in there stops beating when they swim. So they do prefer to crawl. But these are minor flaws. Overall, the octopus screams innovation. It's brave. It's revolutionary. It's all the buzzwords that I printed on A4 paper and hung around the Marine Department office. So let's approve the octopus before I lose all the prototypes. Again, it's already happened several times. All right, any any questions for John? Uh, yeah, Brittany here. I do have uh, just one question. Um, so you mentioned these like ink pod thing, sprays the ink. Um, how will we capture photos of these things? Um, because we're going to need to post them. Would love to know your thoughts old john uh go ahead uh that's a great question and by great question i mean terrible question maybe maybe we'll put a maybe we'll put a, a camera on the front part of them that's a solution ink at the bottom and then camera up top thank you that's enough john you know bro i love you you know but you know i gotta i gotta represent the upstairs right now man and nine brains dude do you know how expensive those are i mean i don't know how i'm gonna get this past the the guys upstairs i don't know and eight arms why eight arms well first of all i can just say nine brains octopus is smart enough to get past anything gone past me multiple times eight arms i thought it was cool that's the maximum number of arms i was able to fit onto there also one of the arms on the males penis kind of it has the spermatophores um, excuse me, John, the insurance department does have some questions. No, thanks. First of all, <clears throat> first of all, I don't appreciate the personal attacks and I do have some real grown-up questions, not just inspirational quotes. Some of us do work here in our departments. Insurance does, however, respect the redundancy of this organism that you've pitched. We like multiple hearts and multiple brains and multiple arms that can be replaced. But what I do have to ask you, with all of these features, how would you characterize the risk tolerance of this organism? It seems to me that it's already escaping its very safe containment quarantine area. What, what about like, if it gets out in the wild? Was it just gonna try and take over other species? Is it gonna try and move on to land? Will it try and get to the moon? What kind of risks will it take? Uh, you know, it's it's going to do stuff. It'll be up to stuff. That's cool. That's fun. That's why we do what we do. Just let stuff happen. Fun it, or maybe it'll kill everything. Maybe fun it won't. Or dangerous. We have a responsibility to life here on Earth, not just killing things in cool ways. And further, will this creature travel more than 10 kilometers on a daily basis or only travel occasionally? I think it depends on the octopus. Some of them are real lazy guys. All right, we'll consider it. Uh, we'll consider its daily commute and and come up with a number. Design number two, numero twelve, numero two. So we partnered with the aviation department. By the way, total nightmare. Bunch of lame losers. 
But hey, the boss man gives me a waterbird file, I make waterbirds. The aviation department has a bunch of standards about like sleek design and elegance, air streamlining, other words that were boring and I didn't pay attention to, so I threw them all out. So that that's real innovation. Instead, I created the Pelican. While the avian department has been producing smaller and more compact birds, I made this boy big, like chunk big, over six feet long, up to over 11 feet wide, up to 26 pounds. It's one of the heaviest things that can still fly. Uh, two feet webbed, of course, obviously it's a water bird, like I'm not gonna web those feet up. And y'all know about those big bills, baby. The pelican has one of the biggest bills. We gave them a guler pouch, which you simpletons might call a throat pouch. And it just basically forms like this giant fish net to hunt with. Uh, the pelicans are carnivores. They eat fish. They dive super fast into water and they scoop them up in those big old beaks, hold them in their guler pouches and then drain the water and then swallow the fish. But wait, why well, stop at fish? The pelicans eat anything, even other birds. Anything that fits in the sack heads to the back of the stomach. Nailed it. We got those bird boys to make the eyes, so pelicans got baller vision. We're planning on putting them everywhere, except Antarctica, because honestly, the South Pole paperwork, impossible to navigate. Uh, pelicans hang out in colonies. They make dope nests. They lay eggs, obviously. The American white pelican gets a fibrous horn during the start of breeding season in March, and it drops off in May. Breeding season ends. And because it's a water bird, we did include preen glands that produce oil that can be used to waterproof their plumage. So they're good to go, good to flow in water. Again, nailed it. Of course, like all birds, pelicans can't sweat. It's a very dumb oversight from the avian department, which I take no responsibility for, even though I easily could have addressed it. But this means that there are issues from overheating. So like other birds, we gave them the guler flutter, also the name of my new disco album. And the pelican just vibrates its throat pouch and that promotes evaporative cooling. It's not the most sophisticated method, but it's one of the worst looking. And that is true innovation. So let's get these big mouth, big birds approved. After all, they're pelicans, not pelabads. No, wait, pelicant. They're pelicans, not, not pelicans. I messed that up the first time. Any uh, questions from the floor? Uh, Darla, again, from insurance. I would just like to say to Brittany from our last interaction that fun and likes and looking good are not our only tasks at the Inv Evolutionary Design Advisory Councils. In terms of John's proposed pelican, pelican, uh, we love a large organism. A large creature are, tend to live longer, so the bigger the better. We consider flying an excellent defense strategy. Uh, high reproductive rate, nesting colonies, excellent. Crank them out. Good for, good for survival, good for your low risk. Uh, but do they have a flight breaking mechanism in case they miscalculate a dive? No, they just die. But then we get new ones that they don't die, so. All right, all right. Well, we'll just, we'll, we'll propose it to, uh, to adaptation and, and see what they can do with it in their department. Dope. All right, John Neptune out. Do I have to be here for the rest of this meeting? Yes. Yes, you do, John. Not dope. But uh, thanks for those uh, truly horrific designs. Um, 
Looks like we have room for one more before lunch. Darla from insurance, it's uh, it's now your turn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've um, we've been looking at, uh, I prepared for this meeting. I, I prepared pretty thoroughly. We, uh, as a team here in, in insurance, we've gone over a number of uh, strategies for, for life of the longest living uh, animals, organisms on the planet. And um, so we found some similarities and I would like to talk about them and tell you about my proposal. So we found generally speaking here, and I, I, don't, I don't generally like to agree with John whenever possible, I would prefer to disagree with him, but um, growing large is a great strategy. Being a very large creature tends to give you a longer life expectancy uh, whether you're a land mammal, whether you're an ocean-dwelling creature, uh, big, the biggest you can get. Also, speaking of the ocean, things in the ocean tend to live quite long. Some of our best kind of prototypes we've looked at, the, uh, the Greenland shark lives 400 years, but no sex until they're 200 years old. So that's uh, important to keep in mind. Not a lot, we don't want a lot of sex here because uh, things just die when, they, when they're always trying to, to kind of get some. So John, keep that in mind. It also lives in the cold, and I know you made a, a line about Antarctica, but big things that live in the cold and just sort of reproduce with themselves are pretty, pretty successful. Besides the Greenland shark, Icelandic clams, they live over 500 years, filter feeding, let's just, let's just have our organisms suck things through water. Like, there's no real, no real injury, you're not going to dive into a rock trying to catch a piece of plankton, you know? The Antarctic sponge, 10,000 years, 10,000 years. They just hang out in the cold, in the darkness, reproducing with themselves, living forever. So, uh, so in general, what the, the insurance department would like to propose is our, our newest organism just be some sort of large, or large sort of rock-like structure. I mean, the, the tortoise has a, a shell, so maybe just a large shelled rock organism that uh, this just, just lives in the bottom of the cold. Um, Arctic or Antarctic Ocean, and um, and just filters stuff out of the water to live. We think that'd be great. We think that'd be very low risk. We love things that just eat, get food somehow out of water. Anyone else? Large, large ocean rocks? It's not a rock. It's alive. But I mean, you, you maybe when you can tell that from looking at it. Uh, yeah, Darla. So I just like if they're at the bottom of the ocean and they're like boring, like I know you like boring stuff, like knitting, you know, that's on you. Like go live your truth or whatever. But like, how will it be like viral? Like what, what's going on? Like can't, we can't put it in a TikTok if it is boring um I understand where you're coming from what I might actually suggest... let me speak for you here Darla let me just uh let me just <laughs> co-op your point and uh, take that over for you and uh Brittany I think what you're forgetting about here is that this rock is a filter and you love filters those are words that are used differently but are heteronyms that's true that's true okay I, I might suggest Brittany is that you know, exclusive, rare, one of a kind, unique. These are the things we find at the bottom of the ocean. Who even knows? It's a mystery. Everybody loves a mystery. Maybe this rock will kill someone and it can be a true crime. That's popular, right? Right, it'll, it'll, it'll. Mm -hmm. We do love a true crime. You know what, Darla, I gotta give it to you. I, I will jot that down. 
Okay, some uh, some great ideas in there from Darla. Let's keep those on the table. Well, it's been a great meeting, everyone. But we are uh, we're coming up to lunch. Are we are we getting catering by chance today? Oh, uh, yep. We um, ordered in the primordial soup. Oh my god, that that is my favorite. Meeting adjourned. You've been listening to the Terra Misinforma. This year, we broadcast a strange and mysterious recording that we found in the woods, which suggests some revelations on the extraordinary processes of the development of life on planet Earth. That's all the time we have for this week. I've been your host, Elizabeth Dowdell. Thanks for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CGSR 88.5 FM, and all our content is created by a team of volunteers. You can reach us for comments or questions via email, Tara at cgsr.com, or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Tara Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. We'll catch you next year for the next Terra Misinforma, and next week for our regularly scheduled environmental news and stories. Dun, dun, dun.